Mindfulness Mode 378. I'm teaching you a language, and it's not any different than if I was teaching you French or or German or Hebrew. It wouldn't matter. I'm teaching the language of the metaphor. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Well, you know what? Every episode I ask my guests, what is your favorite mindfulness-related book? And it's always interesting to find out what books my guests share. Today, I'm going to share with you the 12 most read mindfulness books. The most recommended books on the Mindfulness Mode podcast to help you become more calm, focused, and happy. I put together a PDF outlining these books with clickable links, and you can definitely download this. It's absolutely free. Just get your digital copy right here, mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. Today, I'm featuring a guest who's been studying dreams for years. And, you know, dreams can really help you with your life if you understand how to interpret them and understand what they mean. They can teach you so much about what's happening in your life right now. Now, my guest is personable, she's knowledgeable, and she is amazing at her willingness to help you learn how to interpret your dreams. So I really thought this was a wonderful interview. I think you will too. But before we get to today's guest, I'm sitting here with my son, Ben, and he's editing some episodes. I'm just feeling so grateful to be able to share insight into mindfulness with you every time I, I publish an episode. And guess what? My podcast has just reached the monumental milestone of having one million downloads so that's exciting thanks for all the times you've listened and for your feedback you know you can always connect with me at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com in the meantime sit back relax and enjoy my chat today with dream expert laney dolphin Hey, Mindful Tribe, we are going to be talking about dreams today. And I have the wonderful Lainey Dolphin with me. She's a dream expert. Lainey, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode. I try and be there as often as I can. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the line to be able to talk about dreams. And you've been working in this area of dreams for a very long time. Before we get talking about dreams specifically, let's talk about mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you, Lainey? Uh, well, um, mindfulness is, and this is very similar to dream analysis for me, mindfulness is about staying in the present and uh, dreams will give that to you as well. I guess uh, when I'm meditating, mindfulness is about me focusing on my breath, even though there's all this stuff maybe going on around me or noise or action or thoughts and uh, I find the experience very similar in uh, dream analysis about just bringing myself back into being in touch with uh, what's happening in my interior. 
that's what mindfulness is for me. And I think dream analysis helps you do that because we are so adept at avoiding lying, sweeping, and doing all that in our waking life, which I like to call welcome to the human race. But the dreams promote mindfulness because they get you to a place where you can uh, reestablish yourself about where you want to be at a particular moment in time and how you want to be responding. Well, I love that you explain all that in your books, and thank you very much for sending your books to me. I'm just going to hold one of them up here. I have enjoyed these books tremendously, and I know that these books have a certain title on them now, but that you're renaming them Book 1, The Overview, and Book 2, The Deeper Discussion, and they're both called Have a Great Dream. Listeners, you can check out haveagreatdream.com and learn more about what Lainey does. Let me just share with Mindful Tribe a little bit more about you, Lainey. Lainey Dolphin is the founder of the Dream Interpretation Center in Montreal, and she's a lecturer at Concordia University. Now get this, after studying dreams for 45 years, Lainey says decoding and understanding your dreams is an opportunity to propel your problem-solving skills. So that is totally cool. The solutions to any problem are in the dreams. And if we know how to tap into this resource, anyone can get insight and clarity about relationships, work, family, and life. And it's all in your books, Lainey, about how to do that. Lainey has been a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams since 1997, where she had the opportunity to lecture in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Well, what I love, Lainey, is a sentence that's in that one of the books near the beginning, and it talks about the relief you feel when you realize your dream doesn't mean you're going crazy. No kidding. Isn't that awesome? No kidding. And it's funny because I often say that for me, any knowledge is good knowledge. And if you're a style of person like my husband, who does not want to go deep, Bruce, he just wants to know why he had that dream last night. And if he was like flying on a cow, he wants to know why he was flying on a cow. And he wants to know the answer before he goes to work. (laughs) <laughs> and he does not want to discuss how that those images relate to his early childhood relationship with his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, if I dream that I'm flying on a cow, I want to know how does that relate to what's going on in my life this week? Where does my response come from in my childhood? I want to go back there. I want to go deep. And I think as long as you... Don't walk out of the house in the morning thinking you're a weirdo because you were flying on a cow. Then it's all good because at the first level, the dream is always about something that either happened to you yesterday or something that you thought about yesterday. And what we're doing is problem solving. And the the dreams are just thinking. Dreaming is just thinking. But we are thinking with metaphors. And that's what I do is I teach the language of metaphor so that you can, and I do it through a series of interview questions. And once the dreamer responds to the questions, it's not like a psychic thing. It's more that I ask you the questions 
and you tell me what your dream was about, not me telling you. Oh, that is very, very interesting. And I love what you say near the beginning of the book when you talk about, you know, if you don't remember your dream, there is a way to do that, to start remembering your dreams. So if you're listening to this Mindful Tribe today and you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, I never remember my dreams. Lainey, tell us how we can do that. Well, the most important is intention. If you decide that you want to remember a dream and you leave paper and pen beside your bed, and you can even talk about mindfulness, eh? You could even take some deep breaths as you're falling asleep and try and imagine yourself, picture it, you waking up in the morning and reaching for the pen. Because intention will probably bring a dream on within uh, the next couple of days. And don't ever think that you need to get a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Because I'm going to give you example after example today of one-picture dreams that are so meaningful. And that expression that a picture's worth a thousand words is really true. Um, But if that doesn't work, I'll just give you another of my favorites is to just sit down in a chair and look at your watch. Take your watch off and look at the face, turn it around, look at the band, and now close your eyes and in your mind's eye, see your watch. And then open your eyes and look at it and see how well you did. And then close your eyes, or I should say, look around the room you're in and take a note of the pictures and the paintings and the furniture and then close your eyes and walk around the room with your eyes in your mind and then open your eyes because this thing about opening and closing your eyes and feeling what you're looking at and taking a recording of it that's that's the facility that you use when you wake up in the morning like I often wake up and I'll say to myself where was I just now And that's just what I do. And if that doesn't work, I might say to my, I might get in touch with how did I feel when I woke up? Because, you know, you don't always have to even remember a dream. If you catch your feeling, you can already start linking it to what's going on this week that's making me feel like I'm feeling right now. Well, Lainey, in your book, you talk about people who actually set out to have dreams to deliberately solve problems, which is a very interesting thing. Uh, How do you do that? That's called dream incubation. And absolutely, you can bring on a solution. And what I even do is uh, there's a, a couple of ways to do it. I like the feelings the best because when I fall asleep, if something's making me feel very insecure or worried Um, and uh, I think I'm going on TV in the next few weeks and that makes me feel anxious so uh, because it's not really like uh, although it is like you and I are doing right now but typically when I'm on the radio or a podcast I'm not always on camera so I'm glad I'm doing this today but just being seen on camera makes me feel a little anxious so I might fall asleep tonight and imagine that anxiousness. I would bring it to myself and I could write myself a note before I go to sleep. I could even walk around with that note during the day and check it out a few times. What can I do about my anxiety about being on camera? Uh And my dream will give me the answer. And you could even ask yourself for a solution in pictures that you are easy for you to understand. 
Well, you uh, explain in your book about how to create dream maps, which really um, focuses on key words and key images. That's Let's right. talk about dream maps. Okay, well, dr the dream maps get created by using the points of entry. So I think what I'm going to do is jump to the picnic dream. And the picnic dream appears in the second book. And it'll really give you the rhythm of what it is I'm doing. So there's a woman who's uh, dreaming that she's at a picnic and using a um, symbol's point of entry, I asked her, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind about a picnic? Like if I'm a little girl and I don't even know what that means, tell me what a picnic is. She said, oh, it's when you eat outside the house on a blanket and it's warm outside and it's sunny and it's always a happy time and you know, and you take you take your food outside. And then I asked her, what is food? And she said, well, that's sustenance. So the uh, the dream, using a feelings point of entry, at the beginning of the dream, she's happy and there's a few ants everywhere but they're not really bothering or just you know uh, upsetting the picnic but suddenly there's a huge escalation of feelings and there is what she says a horde of ants and she wakes up with ants everywhere and she's trying to push them away with her hands so i would just stop for a second bruce and i would ask you do you think that that's an effective and appropriate way to get rid of a horde of ants by pushing them away with your hands? Absolutely not. Those ants are not going to be affected by your hands at all. Exactly. So before you know the dreamer or the dream, you already know now that whatever waking life situation is happening, there's a good chance that the dreamer's response to her waking life situation is not appropriate. Because in my life, there's no good or bad, there's no right or wrong, there's appropriate or inappropriate. And I'm always checking with the dreamer if their response to their current situation is appropriate, because it might, you know, it depends on what's going on in the dreamer's life. And in this woman's life, she was having an affair, she was getting her sustenance outside the house on a blanket, right. and enjoying herself. And the reason why at the beginning it starts with small amount of ants that are not disturbing the picnic, that's her kids, his kids, his wife, her husband. But the, the escalation in the feelings, and it turns into a horde of ants, is because he got transferred an hour and a half away from home, and he moved away an hour and a half. So now, if she wants to see him, she has to drive an hour and a half probably stay where she is for about two hours to be with him and then she has to drive an hour and a half back and get there on time to pick up the kids at school and so the thing it's not working and no, it's definitely not out of her control and so what i said is well that pushing ants away with your hands is not really very effective maybe you want to get out the raid <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that is called jung's active imagination because when you change the pictures, and that's what I'm doing, is I'm teaching you a language. And it's not any different than if I was teaching you French or, or German or Hebrew. It wouldn't matter. I'm teaching the language of the metaphor. And so by saying, maybe you need to get out the raid, 
I'm changing, helping change the person's mind. I'm just giving her another idea to think about. And about two or three days later, she called me to say that she did get out the raid and she ended the affair. Oh, wow. She really made a difference in her life then. Yes, because she took control back about making a decision if she wanted it to continue or not. Right. Well, I uh, used to have a recurring dream about flying, that I could fly. I had this power in my shoes and I could just go above the crowd and I could fly. What does that sort of dream indicate? Well, um, not always, because I never say always. I mean, that's not going to work. But typically... Um, if you're dreaming that you and you're the one who used that language power. And so if that was my dream, I can project for you. If that was my dream, I might have a dream like that during a week where I actually don't feel very powerful. And the meaning of that dream for me, that would be my unconscious mind tapping in, asking me, pointing me in the direction to remember my power to rise above because you're flying. So you're rising above whatever situation it is. And it's getting you in touch with that power that you might need during that particular week. Very interesting. When I hear a dream, I just gave you an action point of entry by looking at, and it doesn't matter which point of entry you use. You choose the one that's most attractive to you even if you're the listener, not necessarily the dreamer, the listener also, just choose something that you're attracted to. I was attracted to the fact, the action, the way she's pushing aside the ants with her hands. So she's taking an action that for me felt inappropriate. And the symbols was me asking her about uh, a picnic to describe a picnic. Another point of entry is your feelings, which you, and back in the picnic dream, she starts out feeling happy. And then suddenly things are out of her control. So it's like a dance. You're inside the dream. How did you feel in the dream? Well, at first I felt good. And then I st- then things started to get out of control. And then, then I'm outside the dream and I'm asking the dreamer, what situation is going on in your life this week? Something that started out fun and relaxed and something must have changed because there's an escalation in the dream and that could click the dreamer into oh maybe it's because my boyfriend moved out of town because now she's connected to what started out fun and turned out not to be fun let me i just reminded myself another example of a woman who dreams that she just got a puppy and she is so excited about this little puppy, puts the the dog on the table in front of her. She's sitting at a table and she's so happy. And all of a sudden there is also an instant change in feelings because the puppy poos all over the table and all over her. And so sometimes, which I did also with the, the picnic dream, but I'll give you other different solutions. But sometimes what you want to do is take the pictures of the dream out into waking life and make a decision. How would you solve that problem if it was in waking life? Which is what I asked her. And she said, well, if that happened to me, the first thing I would do is take the puppy off the table. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would clean myself up and clean the puppy up. 
But the first thing I would do is take it off the table and listen to the language, take it off the table, because that dream was about a job that she got. And she was so excited about the new job. She just couldn't wait to get there. And within about 10 days, she found out that her boss was a really abusive person, really abusive. And he was pooing all over her, literally, right? So she she uses the puppy and the happiness. And then all of a sudden, there's like garbage all over the place. And the solution, taking it off the table, was her quitting the job. So you know, fascinating. To take it off the table. Yeah, yeah, that yes. is fascinating. Yes. So that's what it looks like. There's always a mirror. And that's what I do is help you uh, deconstruct the images so that you can uh, see what it looks like. And I, I feel like giving you one more. Can oh, I I'd, love, I'd love to hear another one. Yes. And, and before I do that, I'm going to go deeper so you, everybody understands why I really do dream analysis. Cause, okay. Because I've been talking about like uh, the puzzle, because it really is like a puzzle. You try one piece, one point of entry, that one doesn't work. You take it out, you try another piece. Is it the action? Is it play on words and puns? Is it the feeling? So is it the plot? So those are the different points of entry that you can use. Um, but now I'm going to move to like a deeper level to say to you, and I'll, I'll finish it with a dream. Um, when we're born, we are born whole. We come into this world whole with a plethora of potential and possibility. So you could be a comedian. You could be a more serious person. Maybe you're an initiator. Maybe you're always on the receiving end. Maybe you're a hero. Maybe you're a chicken. Maybe you're selfish. Maybe you're giving. We have everything. And the people that bring us up teach us that it's better to be one way than another way. And one of my favorite examples, and I've got a few, but one of my favorites is that if you were brought up in a home with siblings, you probably get the message that it's not okay to be selfish. Right. Because you hear sentences like, go share your toys with your sister. Go look after your brother. And your whole life experience anyways is you sharing your parents attention that's your whole existence and so you become what frederick pearls called over invested in some aspects of your personality and under invested in others and so and i call it over exercised and so your under exercised parts are what carl jung called your shadows and it doesn't mean that you lost the ability to be selfish. It just means that you're under-exercised in being selfish and over-exercised in sharing and giving. And those are the people, and we all know them, and I'm kind of one of them, except I've exercised that other part of myself, but those people that don't know how to say no, okay. that are always saying yes. Those are people that typically come from a home where they had to share their toys and share everything because they don't really get that, you know, conversely, if you're brought up as an only child, you don't have to share your toys or your parents and you become very comfortable in the role of doing things for yourself. So here's a man, another one picture dream. 
He's climbing up a ladder and papers are everywhere. And the higher he goes up the ladder, the more papers fill in everywhere. They're even kind of blocking him from getting farther up. And at the top of the ladder is a, 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 a fellow that he says was his college roommate who he hasn't seen in about 20 years. And that's who's encouraging him up the ladder with all the papers everywhere. So it was about his job. And I guess he uses the ladder because to get ahead in life, like he's climbing up the corporate ladder. Right. And reason there's papers everywhere is because he's got so much work on his desk. And that's what it's about, trying to get higher. And the papers are everywhere. And his friends, the day before he had the dream, invited him to go see a movie. And he doesn't have what it takes to say no. And he doesn't want to go to a movie. He doesn't want to. He wants to be doing his work. So who does he dream about? Who's encouraging him up the ladder, that roommate from uh, college? And I asked him using a symbol's point of entry, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind about that fellow? Like, what kind of guy was he? And what he said, I have it here, actually. He said, he was a selfish, take care of me first kind of person. That's how he describes him. And that's who the dreamer needs to be. He needs to access, not all the time, but in this situation, the dream is encouraging him to try and access that part of himself that's a take care of me kind of first kind of guy. And because he understood the analysis of the dream, he was able to call his friends and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to join you for a movie. Too much work on my desk. Wow, that is so great how that can help you solve some of these problems in your life. That's, that is wonderful. That's right. And then, the, and then once you start exercising that muscle about being able to say no, it's the same thing as going to the gym. You use the muscle the first time and the next day it hurts. And two days later, it hurts even more. So I'm not saying that change is easy, but I am here to tell you that change is possible because you keep exercising. So the first time you say no to somebody, you feel like a horrible, selfish person. How dare you think of yourself and not go to the movie with friends? And sometimes it's more even serious than that, right? And so you give you, it's hard. And then the next time you try it, you get a little more comfortable. And believe me, after two or three or four years, and this to me is mindfulness, by the way. This is what I'm talking about. Being mindful, they're asking me to a movie, I really don't feel like going. And I need to be mindful of where I'm at today, what's happening in my life, and what do I need to do to be the best that I can be for myself. And of course, the the overflow is that you end up being the best person for your family and friends as well when you're doing what you need to do for yourself and you're respecting yourself, right? Right. And taking care of yourself, taking care of, of how you feel about yourself leads us right into the next topic. And that is the topic of bullying. Do you have a story about bullying? Maybe it's connected to dreaming, connected to oh mindfulness that you can share with us, Lane. Ask me that question. <laughs> well, I guess it, it makes me want to tell you a story about myself 
but it also uh, makes me want to just tell you, and this is like not a deep story, it's a two-second story. I have uh, four daughters, and um, my, I lost my eldest daughter about two years ago. And uh, But when the older girls, because I there's about 20 years spread between my kids they run from 45 all the way down to 25 and uh, when the older girls were young i remember that one of them had a kid that was bullying her like crazy at school and the what the mindfulness mode that i used with my daughter um really it didn't change the situation but it sure changed how she felt about herself because uh, what I said was, there's always something that we don't know. Always. There's a blind spot that all of us have. And how do we know, for example, that that child, uh, that maybe her parents had a big fight this morning before she went to school. Maybe she has a, you know, a parent who's screaming the heck out of her. And maybe she's walking around with that. So we don't know what's going on for someone else. We're blind to it. And it's so nice to not take something necessarily personally and instead be thinking about, wow, I wonder what's going on for that person that makes her be the way she is. Well, you were absolutely right. There's always something going on. And that's hard for some people to understand, especially younger people. They don't really see it that way, do they? Exactly. And then there's that also philosophy that also comes to me from dream analysis, um, which is, and I will get back to the bullying, but um, about real love. For me, real love is um, looking at the other for exactly who they are and not having any fantasies about changing somebody else because I have really bad news for everybody. You cannot change. We don't have the power to change anybody else. But the only person we have the power to change is ourselves. And by looking in at dream analysis, if you're spending time, whatever amount of time you're spending looking in at trying to change yourself, you are spending the exact amount of time not looking out at trying to change someone else. And that, you know, kind of works very, very well about what, you know, like love is then if I'm not anticipating changing anybody and I, then I look at them for exactly who they are, not anticipating that I have any power whatsoever to change them. That's when I make the decision, do I want to be with this person? And that's what I taught my daughters. Hmm. Because if you have somebody bullying you, the power that you have is to accept that person for who they are, right? And then make a decision. Right. Is this the kind of person that I want to be surrounding myself with? Is this who I want to be with? Because then there's no victim. Because you make a decision to walk away from a person. Absolutely true. So yeah. I'll tell you, uh, do you want me to tell you my uh, bully story? Yes, please do. My, uh, well, I was brought, I'm going back to the Freudian thing for a minute. I was brought up by a European father and my mom was a Canadian, but it doesn't matter because she was brought up by Europeans. So essentially I was brought up by European parents and I, my father was a wonderful, 
kind, sweet, affectionate man who had a big fat temper. And mm. if he was yelling at me when I was six or seven or eight, I could not look at my father and say, excuse me, I'm not comfortable with how you're talking to me right now. <laughs> no. Because that was considered disrespectful and I probably would have landed in my room. Right. So I learned to become underinvested in speaking up and overinvested in shutting up. And that's <laughs> my knee jerk reaction. And and by the way, your knee jerk reaction never goes away. And I say again mindfulness. Mindfulness is me not beating myself up because my knee jerk over-exercised part is to shut up when I hear something that I'm not comfortable with. That's my first response is to say nothing. And that might fit with my bank manager, but it doesn't fit with my husband, right? Because my husband's my equal. Of course. I'm not six or seven anymore. So when I was uh, 40, I was studying dream analysis at the Alfred Adler Institute. And when I was 40 was also the year that my dad passed away. And I had an argument with Andy, who's also so sweet, kind man. And he also has a big, stupid temper. <laughs> there he was yelling at me. And I was doing my knee jerk, inappropriate response by saying nothing to him. And when I went to sleep, I dreamt about an aunt of mine who had already been dead like 15 years, but using a symbol's point of entry, same as the picnic or what we talked about before, or the guy's college roommate, same thing. I asked myself what comes to my mind when I think about that person. And right away I said, she had the biggest mouth of anybody I ever met. She was the most assertive person. And if she didn't like you, she had no problem telling you. And she was also very affectionate. If she liked you, she would also let you know. So I knew that, and this is what happens because we are self-regulating and the unconscious presents polarities all the time. So my big underreaction of saying nothing to someone who's yelling at me created the most assertive person that I ever met in my dream. So the polarity is your unconscious mind trying to bring you somewhere in the middle. Like I'm not gonna turn into her overnight, but if I understand I need to access a little bit of her that's sleeping in me, well, then I'm at the gym for the first time. And that's what I did. I woke up the next morning and I said, Andy, I'm not comfortable with how you spoke to me last night. It makes me, feel bullied it makes me feel like i'm six or seven i'm with my dad again and so that was my first time exercising my voice and now here we are 26 years later i'm 66 today and i could tell you it's i've been in in the gym with my voice for a long time now <laughs> and i have no problem whatsoever exercising that part of myself. And I don't think Andy has yelled at me, and I'm not kidding. I don't think Andy has yelled at me, wow, in, you know, in at least 15 years. Well, that's a great story. And how, it, you know, it came out for the positive, you made a transition and things are so much better as a result of it. That, that is fantastic by using mindfulness. That's great. Yes, and it's, it's also very behavioral. Like I had another series of dreams where I, I was on my knees and it was Andy, that bugger who 
solve the puzzle of the dream because one morning I said that I, I couldn't stand up and he's, I was on my knees and I was trying to get up a hill on my knees. And I said, I couldn't stand up and using puns and play on words as a point of entry. He said, why, who are you having trouble standing up to? Cause I said, I couldn't stand up. Right. And I said, okay, Andy, go to work. <laughs> but it was my brother. And, and the reason I'm telling you that is because once you start exercising, you know, cause you see it, you see it that I couldn't say something to Andy and I couldn't stand up to my brother. Right. But once you start exercising the sleeping parts of yourself, I mean, I changed the relationship, the dynamic of the relationship with my brother, my two older sisters, my husband, because people start realizing, oh, we could do anything to Lainey and she's not going to speak up. Right. So you change your relationships when you do when you exercise different parts of yourself. You become very powerful when you have a situation and you get to choose how you want to respond to the person or the situation. Yes, yes, I can understand that. As we move toward the end of the interview, Lainey, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 okay. second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I want to say uh, Champa Sear because she's my yoga teacher and uh, I love her. But I guess if you're looking for someone famous, I would say Oprah. Okay, so we've got two yeah. people to put in there. Yeah. All right. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Lainey? Um, well, I kind of s described that at the beginning of the interview. About, yes, you did. About, you know, I mean, listen, I, I never exercised. I've only been really, I've had different phases in my life, but then I went for a way too long phase without any exercise and now i've been consistent for almost five years and i still have the same person when the bell rings because i have the trainer come to me because mm -hmm. i don't still don't trust that i'm gonna go there right. but when that bell rings the same laney still shows up and i greet her with love because i don't want to answer the door but i am mindful and so that is how I use my mindfulness. I say, you're going to answer the door, dear, <laughs> and you're going to do the workout and you're going to be happy after it's done. And that to me is how I use mindfulness during my waking life. Oh, that's fantastic. How is breathing a part of your mindfulness practice? Um, well, I guess uh, it, it's uh, similar to what happens for me in uh, in meditation, when the thoughts are scattered and they're all over the place, it always comes back to the breath. And uh, I don't see, for me, that much difference in that coming back to the breath is the same thing as saying, it's okay, girl, answer the door. <laughs> it's getting back to the breath about my intention. The intention is everything. What's a book related to mindfulness that you would recommend? Um, I guess uh, Radical Acceptance by uh, Tara Brach. I, I like her because she talks about the self-critic, which is what I'm talking about here all today, about the voices, the inner voice, you know, and being kind to yourself, self-acceptance, 
and uh, she talks about deconstructing thought patterns, which is exactly what I was just discussing about when I'm going to the door and the trainers on the other side of the door. Yeah, that's that's, that's excellent. What's happening and, and just embracing who you are, you know? Absolutely. Can yeah. you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I like Calm. It's a that's great what one. I use. Even if I only use it for 10 minutes, I don't care. It's all good. Well, we didn't really talk about your meditation practice. I know you mentioned it a couple of times, but what does it look like? Do you do silent meditation? Do you guided meditation? What's it like? I do it with my yoga teacher because okay. she's also a meditation teacher. And I, I like guided meditation. I, that's the way I like to do it. Right. Yeah. That's great. Well, Lainey, it's been great talking to you. And, you know, as a result of reading your books, I do have some great dreams. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, at least I've noticed them more. And I've realized that, yes, they're positive. Yes, they're powerful. And yes, they can solve problems. So Mindful Tribe, check out haveagreatdream.com. And I would strongly suggest you get your hands on the books, which Lainey has written. The first one, book one, The Overview is terrific. And then book two, The Deeper Discussion, has so many stories and so many analogies. And and just, it's great because it just doesn't tell you about dreams. It tells you how to do it yourself. It's like a how-to-do book about how to figure your own dreams out. So I just love the detail you put into those books, Lainey. Thank you so much, Bruce. You're so sweet. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. And uh, so where can we find you besides haveagreatdream.com? I'm sure you're on social media as well. Yes, I am. And uh, if you go to haveagreatdream.com, there's links to Facebook and YouTube. And I invite everybody to follow me on YouTube because that's where you can see. And you can also see some examples of a dream in our where I do one-on-one free of charge if you have a Gmail account and you would like to do the dream analysis on YouTube with me, and there's some examples of Dreaminars there, um, and also the right links to Amazon and the other bookstores. If you're looking for the book, you can get it also through haveagreatdream.com. And I love how you extended yourself to me, Lainey, and you said, look, if you have a dream, just call me and we'll talk about it. And I did call you and we did talk about my dream. And I just appreciate your generosity at just reaching out right then and there to talk about it. And you're such an expert. So thanks very much for that, Lainey. My pleasure, Bruce. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Bye now. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about the 12 must-read mindfulness books. 
Any one of these books can definitely change your life just like they have for the featured guests I've had on my show. All of these books have been recommended. They're the 12 most recommended books on Mindfulness Mode. Download this free gift at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.